Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Brilliant, thanks, Denny. Do keep uh, Luke in front of you. Kids, hopefully you've got a, a kid sheet. If you don't, just stick a hand in the air and Ben will, will bring one over to you. That will help, help you follow along uh, this next little bit of time this morning uh, as we look at this little bit of Luke chapter 24. Uh, and uh, Josh and Eve have already uh, had a few questions asked of them this morning, so I've got a question for you just to think about as we begin, uh, whether you're in the room or, or watching online. And that is, what does Easter mean to you? What does Easter mean to you? Kids, maybe you want to just feel free to talk to mum or dad or whoever you're with for a second. But just think for a minute, what is Easter all about? What does it mean to you? There are all sorts of ways that that we might be thinking or answering that question. I guess for, for lots of us, this Easter in particular marks just over a year of coronavirus and lockdown. It seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? But think all the way back to when uh, Boris said that we just need to stay indoors for a few weeks whilst the worst of this virus passed through. And yet here we are a whole year later. And so maybe Easter is just another mark in the COVID calendar, uh, another reminder uh, that we're still here, that COVID is still a reality. Uh, What does Easter mean to you? Because COVID aside, I actually think that the Easter for lots of people is a little bit confusing. Just think about it for a minute. For some people, Easter is full of images of fluffy bunnies, cute chicks and chocolate eggs. But for others, the very same day is all about crucifixion, torture, blood, death. You couldn't get much more of a stark contrast, could you? They're pretty different images, pretty different pictures, and so no wonder people get a bit confused when they think about what Easter really is all about. 
But if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at Luke's gospel, his eyewitness account of the events that happened surrounding Jesus' life and death. And this morning, as we come towards the end of Luke's account, he wants us to see that far from being confused, we can actually be certain. As we consider the events that he's recorded around Jesus' death and resurrection, Luke says we can be certain of three things. And it's those three things that we're going to spend the next few minutes thinking about together. So first, Luke, Dr. Luke, says we can be certain that Jesus really died. We can be certain that Jesus really died. That might seem like a a really obvious thing to say, But there are plenty of people that have tried to suggest something different. Uh, They say that that Jesus, he had a a pretty rough time on Good Friday. Uh, He was pretty badly treated. He was severely injured. He was incredibly weak. but, But he wasn't actually dead by the end of the day. And so after a few days of R and R in a nice kind of cool tomb, well, Jesus sort of came round. He, he, he woke up and he, he started walking and talking and doing all the things that a guy that never died in the first place would do. That's what some people think is going on. But over the past weeks, we've listened as Luke has described the, the trial, the torture, and the eventual execution of Jesus by the Roman authorities. And as we read about those events, Luke wanted us to be in no doubt that Jesus really died that day. After all, killing criminals was something that the Romans were particularly good at. And crucifixion, it was a particularly brutal, particularly effective form of execution. These people did not make mistakes when it came to killing people. Jesus was executed. And it was witnessed by all sorts of people. One of those witnesses was a man called Joseph. And we can read about Joseph in the verses just before the ones we've had read. So if you've got a Bible, look at chapter 23, verse 50. It'll be on the screen as well. It says, Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. And then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. So Luke says there's this guy, Joseph. He's a prominent member of the Jewish council, a rich man, a senior figure in society. And in verse 51, it says he was a man who seems to have chosen to follow this controversial Jesus figure. Follow the man that had caused the Jewish leaders so much aggravation, so many problems that they decided to just do away with him, have him killed. And so here's Joseph. He's a man with a vested interest in Jesus being alive, not dead. He'd thrown his lot in with Jesus. And so if he turned out to just be dead and buried, well, it had all been a waste of his time. A dead Messiah is no use to anyone. 
Yet having witnessed his crucifixion, Joseph is under no illusion that Jesus could have possibly survived. And so he goes to the Roman governor, to Pilate, to ask for the body. He, he takes it and he buries it because Jesus is dead. And it's not just Joseph. If you look at verse 55 of chapter 23, we meet some women who had also been with Jesus. They'd followed Joseph to the burial place. And again, these women have witnessed Jesus' torture. They've watched him executed before their eyes. And now they stand at a distance and see him buried in a tomb. In other words, these women as well are in no doubt that Jesus is dead. That's confirmed for us in verse 56, where they go and prepare spices and perfumes used specifically for dead bodies. And so here we have Luke, Luke who is a doctor himself, wanting us to be absolutely certain. Jesus died. Jesus really died. And had things ended there, well, he would have gone down in history as just another one of those dead religious teachers. Someone who said and did some profound things, someone who died for what he believed in, a martyr perhaps, but not the Messiah, not the Son of God that he claimed to be. That's what would have happened if Jesus had stayed dead, if, if Luke's account had ended at chapter 23. But it doesn't, does it? It doesn't because in chapter 24 we see the second big thing that Luke wants us to be certain of. And that is that Jesus really rose. At the start of chapter 4 that we just had read, we rejoin these women on the way to the tomb. And it's a pretty depressing scene. Jesus, who they had loved and cherished and followed, has just been brutally executed before them. And, and so as they make their way to his tomb, well, they actually have no real hope that they can do anything much at all. They know that a huge stone has been rolled in front of the tomb, a Roman guard posted outside, and so there's no hope for them. It's a sad and depressing scene. But in the next few verses, these women experience something that will change their lives forever. As they arrive at the tomb, they get the biggest surprise that, that, frankly, anyone has ever had. In fact, they get three big surprises. They're there in those verses at the start of chapter 24. The first comes in verse 2, where it says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. These women are expecting to find a huge boulder in front of the tomb, but when they arrive, the stone is gone, and Jesus' body is missing. What on earth is going on? Then we see surprise number two. They're in verse four. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. The women peer inside the tomb, and instead of seeing a dead body, they see two men dressed in white, two men that gleamed like lightning, Luke says. In other words, they meet some angels, some terrifying messengers from God. And it's what these angels, these messengers of God say that is the third and biggest surprise 
of all. Verse 5, the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. The reason for the, the open tomb, the reason for the stone rolled away, the reason for the messengers being there is that Jesus is not dead, but alive. And so again, can you see what, what Luke wants us to see? These women, he says, these women, they saw Jesus die. They saw him dead and buried. And as they go to visit his body, what they actually find is an empty tomb and an angel saying, Jesus is alive. Which means if you're someone that, that's here or, or listening online and, and you've got questions about the resurrection, it, it just seems so far-fetched, so unbelievable. Well, Luke wants to ask us, how do you explain the empty tomb? How do you explain that Jesus was dead and buried, but then three days later, these women find nothing but a few strips of linen and some lightning men with a, a message about resurrection? How do you explain that, Luke says? And of course, there have been loads of attempts through history to try and answer that question, to try and explain it away. We've not got time to think about those this morning. If you genuinely are interested in finding out more, then we'll suggest some ways to do that at the end. But for now, the big thing Luke wants us to see is that on that morning, on that morning, these women discovered an empty tomb. And the explanation they were given was that Jesus was no longer dead, but alive. It's an amazing discovery. It's a, an unbelievable message. But just notice what the angel says next in verse 6. He says, he's not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. You see, Jesus had actually already explained what was going to happen to him. He'd already told his followers repeatedly that he would die and then three days later be raised to life. That had been the plan all along. And so as shocking and unbelievable as it might have been to the women and the disciples there that day, and as shocking and as unbelievable as it might sound to us this morning, Luke wants us to be sure that the resurrection happened just as Jesus said it would. And that leads us to the last thing we can be certain of. Luke says we can be certain Jesus really was dead. He says we can be certain the tomb was empty, he really is alive. And finally, we can be certain that he really does matter. You see, if the resurrection is true, if, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, well, then that has significance for every single person that has ever lived. It, it is significant because first it means that Jesus can be trusted. Jesus can be trusted. All of us look for people that we can trust in life, don't we? Whether it's politicians or parents, celebrities or scientists, all of us are looking, searching for people we can trust, people we can bank on, listen to, follow. 
we want to be able to trust people. And so a key question for us as we come to Jesus is, can we trust him? Is he reliable? After all, he made some pretty big claims about himself. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the king and ruler of the entire universe. He also made some life-changing promises. Jesus promised, as we've already heard this morning, that he can deal with people's sin, that he can take away our guilt before God and bring us forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus made big claims and promised big promises. And here Luke says the reason he can be trusted, the, the reason we can be sure he was speaking the truth, is that he rose from the dead, just as he said he would. You see, Jesus said he would beat death. And three days after his crucifixion, that's exactly what he did. He spoke and ate with his friends, the the ones that that think it's all a bunch of nonsense in verse 11 when they hear the news at first. He, He ate with them, he talked with them. He appeared to more than 500 people at once, more than in this room. Eyewitnesses recorded everything that happened after his death and resurrection. You can read about it in the Gospels. Jesus beat death just as he said he would. And so the resurrection, well, the resurrection is proof that his words aren't empty. It's proof that he's not promising more than he can deliver or that he's going to change the message a little bit further down the line. It's proof that we can trust him. But it's more than that. It's more than that because secondly, Jesus' resurrection means death is defeated. We've thought this morning about a number of things that we can be certain of. And one thing we can be absolutely certain of today is that everyone dies. No matter how good or moral or talented or upright or respected you are, no matter how regularly you go to the gym or how many wellness blogs you read, we can be absolutely sure that everyone dies. And I know that's a a bit of a depressing thought on a sunny Easter Sunday. But it's true, isn't it? We live in a a culture that that really doesn't like to talk about death. Despite the fact our news feeds have been full of it for the last year or so, we don't like to talk about it. And in fact, when we do talk about it, what we do is we, we try to make it out into some sort of positive thing. So my favourite great philosopher, Albus Dumbledore, uh, once said to the well-organised mind, death is but the next great adventure. If we're going to talk about death, we might as well make it sound positive, right? But for those who have experienced death, those who have had someone close to you die, perhaps even this year, you know that death is not a great adventure. There is nothing really positive about it. This year has reminded us that death is not, is not right. That it's painful. It's shown us that we'll do pretty much anything to try and stop it. 
We've just lived through a year where we've given up all sorts of things we take for granted, where we've given up all sorts of freedoms that we usually enjoy, all in a big effort, joint effort, to prevent death. But the stark reality is that we can't. Oh, yes, we can isolate. Yes, we can vaccinate. But we can't stop death. In the end, all of us have to come to terms with the fact that we are hopeless and helpless in the face of death. But if Jesus rose from the dead, well, then that changes everything. You see, if Jesus rose from the dead, as as Luke is claiming happens here, then he says that gives us real hope. That gives us certain hope, even in the face of death. Because as well as claiming that he would die and rise again, and then doing it, Jesus says the same is true for anyone who believes in him. In John's Gospel, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Jesus promises that if we believe in him, we will be raised to new life after death just as he was. He promises that all who trust in him will live with him forever. That's true for people that followed him back in his day, back in Luke's day, 2,000 years ago. And it remains true today. Josh and Eve have put their trust in Jesus. They've trusted in the one who has defeated death for them. Which means they sit there this morning 100% certain that their sin is dealt with. They stand forgiven before God. And 100% certain that they have new life, new indestructible life in Jesus. That because he has beaten death, they too will be raised to life. They will live with God forever. Because of Jesus... They can be certain of those things. And so as we close, let me ask you, whether this is your first time in a church building, whether you come once a year for Easter Sunday, whether you come every Sunday for as long as you can remember, what are you certain of this morning? Because we live in a world at the moment, don't we, that's full of uncertainty, full of confusion, full of questions. We don't know what's going to happen in June, let alone next year. But this morning, Luke says, you can be certain. You can be certain Jesus really died. He, he died to pay the price for your sin. You can be certain that Jesus really rose. He beat death. And that means you can be certain that Jesus really matters. That you can trust him today and live with him forever. That is what you can be certain of this year. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the certain hope of the gospel, the good news that Jesus died and rose for us. Father, thank you that he died to take away our sin and he rose to beat death and give us forgiveness and new life in him. Father, thank you so much that these things are certain 
And so we can trust Jesus. Please help us to do that today, we pray. And we ask it in his name. Amen.